The following broadcast has been approved for Elite Hornets fans. What a block by Cody Zeller. Walker down the lane, drive, shoots, scores! Game over! Bringing back the buzz was only the beginning. We will not go quietly into the night. It's Hornets talk for the hardcore fan. It's Hive Talk Live. Welcome in, Hornets fans. This is Locked On Hornets, presented by Hive Talk Live. It's Hornets talk for the hardcore fan. I'm Doug Branson, joined by David Walker. David, it's our last show in July. It's our last daily show, at least until the the fall, but we've got a lot of great things coming up in August. Where has the time gone, Doug? It only seems like yesterday that we we started back again. Uh, it's been a good run. I'm excited, Doug. I can hear it in your voice. You're excited, too. It's going to be a big season. Well, I'm excited because we have Adi Joseph from Sporting News coming up, talking about the Eastern Conference, breaking down that conference. We didn't really get into much about the Southeast Division. And while I know that divisions have less significance, David, uh, these days – the Southeast Division did have a role to play in the uh, playoff matchups last season, so I think the Hornets have to pay oh, yeah. attention to what's going on in the division this season. If you know the Eastern Conference becomes a jumbled mess again, they could have used a few extra division wins early on in the season. Oh, man, how many nights did we lament those, those losses in that eventual tiebreak? Uh, that we, you know, that, that we couldn't get for the Hornets last year. But I mean, is this the most up for grabs this division has been since LeBron James? You know, went to Miami. Yeah, I, I think so. I think that there have been enough pieces uh, moved around where now there are a lot of question marks. Uh, you know, Atlanta moves some pieces around. Orlando is hitting the reset button. Miami. Uh, and and uh, I think Adi will have some interesting things to say about Miami's place in this in this division. Uh, but uh, it's been a fun July. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network now, David. A lot of exciting things happening around the network. We're adding more NBA teams. We're, we've added a fantasy basketball podcast, and we're adding NFL podcasts right now. So go check the Locked On Podcast Network out. See if your favorite NFL team has a podcast. And we're adding more, it seems like, every day. So soon we'll have yep. all NBA teams, all NFL teams. We're going to have it all covered here on the Locked On Podcast Network. We are returning live this fall exclusively on our YouTube channel. You can watch us, chat with us live on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Go to YouTube, search Hive Talk Live, subscribe, and follow us on Twitter at Hive Talk Live for more information. You can email thoughts, questions, anything you want, buzzbuzz at hivetalklive.com, or send some questions to us on the Charlotte Hornets Reddit page when we make our post there. Uh, we've got a few questions that we're going to ask Adi Joseph later from the fans there on the Reddit page or, of course, on uh, at thehive.com comment section. You can lay us uh, some questions there as well. If you have a business or product that you'd like to advertise on the show, email us for more information, buzzbuzz at hivetalklive.com. Let's get into this show. Exciting show. We've got Adi coming up later, but we've also got a few other things to talk about. First, I want to get to some fan comments, some listener questions, some different things going on in a segment we like to call Forum. I hardly know them. Please listen carefully. First up, uh, a couple of comments on our Roy Hibbert show that we did uh, yesterday. First of all, uh, this first comment comes from, uh, I love this username, No Hoops For You. This is from the at thehive.com comment section. No Hoops For You writes, Roy Hibbert will do well for two reasons. He will not be asked to be a player he is not, 
and he does not have to carry an excessive burden he is not capable of carrying. Roy's conditioning should be his top priority. Defensively, he has six NBA fouls and has no need to ration his fouls. David, a couple of great points here by No Hoops for you. My favorite being that defensively he he's going to have uh, you know he won't have to ration out his fouls at least in, in the beginning because he will be playing that reserve role so he can be more aggressive defensively and, and he won't be as concerned with picking up you know two fouls in the first. Yeah, I mean, I think that's another great point. And you mentioned the interview that, that we've done and the preview that we've done on Hibbert. And I found it fascinating how much, and you brought this up, how much the mental side of the game you know, could play in his success. Because it sounds like he's a guy that really needs a, a support system or at least you know a good surrounding group and some leadership around him to excel. Um, you know, might be a guy that gets down on himself at times, but look where he came from last year. Obviously the Lakers were not a good situation. You know, we revisited his first uh, couple years in Indiana and when uh, the difference between that time and then when Vogel came up, who was really supporting him. So you look at that and you, you have Patrick Ewing here, you got Steve, I mean, you've got, uh, yeah, Steve Clifford. And I think that's going to be big for him. I mean, that was the biggest thing I took from that interview that you did, Doug, was the positive placement that he could have here could really be a good a good surrounding group for him. And uh, I think the time off the bench, too, as we've hit on a little bit, will allow him to not be the main guy, um, as No Hoops for You pointed out. And he can really be that guy on defense and, and, and just come in and contribute and maybe build some confidence, right? I mean, that sounds like it's the biggest thing to me. Yeah, the Hornets like to space the ball out on offense, but they're not pace and space. They they were they were a little faster last season than they were the season previous, but you know, they don't get up and down the court very quickly. They they do still like to play in the half court. Uh, so that I think plays to Roy Hibbert's advantage as well. You know, he's not going to be uh, forced to to move up and down the court at a pace that a lot of teams are moving to, towards. So again, I think Roy Hibbert could be one of the most intriguing storylines for the Hornets next season. Next, yeah, yeah, yeah go ahead. I mean, yeah. sorry, just just to jump back on that real quick. You made that point, and this is what we said about Al Jefferson last year, right? When he went out and came back in, people were concerned um, with the, that he wouldn't be able to fit into the offense. I mean, they're not the exact same player, but when you're looking at someone who's not really going to get up and down, neither one of those guys is is, is a guy that's going to run the floor like a Tyler's. I mean, a, a Cody Zeller. Um, so yeah, I think you're right in that fact that they can adjust to it a little bit, and I mean there'll be some adjustments, but I think it can fit it fine. Next uh, comment coming to us uh, from the at the hive comment section again. This one from Adam Kawa. He wrote he wrote a letter to Roy Hibbert in this comment, and I will be dramatically reading this and taking some of my own creative licenses. Here we go. This letter from Adam Kawa, dearest Roy Hibbert, stand in the paint without getting defensive three seconds, and just hold your arms up. That is all. Signed, Adam Kawa. All right, there you go. That's it. That might be, not be too much different from the advice he gets from the coaching staff. We'll yeah, see. Well, listen, I think it was tongue-in-cheek, but it could uh, lead to some success for Roy, Roy Hibbert. All right, now this uh, next one, here we go. Hey, David, we've got a new fan. That makes uh, two now, I think, that we have. Um, <laughs> this one... Uh, coming, uh, this fan, this new fan, Reed M15 on the Charlotte Hornets Reddit page, writes about our Marco Bellinelli episode. I've been thinking about listening to this podcast for a while now, but I've never been a huge fan of podcasts. 
However, I happen to like At the Hive a lot, and I'm also a basketball junkie. So I decided to listen to this podcast on the way home tonight. I thoroughly enjoyed this, especially when you brought in the writer for the Spurs, talking about Jeff Garcia in the Marco Bellinelli episode. I will definitely be going back to listen to past podcasts as well as listening to future ones. Well, welcome to the to the club. We always said, David, when we started this, that this is a club, an exclusive club for hardcore Hornets fans, for people who are basketball junkies. So Reed is going to fit right in here to our club. That's right. The first two things that uh, I noticed about this, which I liked, one, doesn't like podcasts, so he's in good company. <laughs> right. And and two, and two, uh, the best, his favorite part was the guest. And, uh, so yeah, I mean, that's, we're, 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 we're doing it right. That's perfect. We are, we're getting out of the way. I've always, you know, I've always <laughs> had that philosophy, just get out of the way and let the smart people talk, but no, we're not a traditional podcast. I feel like I feel we put a little more, uh, production value and, and we try again, not to scream at each other and, uh, we're we're. I said uh, on Twitter the other day that we're waiting for reasoned dialogue to take the place of embraced debate. I think we have a little while left to wait, uh, but yeah. But uh, we're still fi- we're, we're still yeah baby steps. We're still fighting the good fight, and and I think we're we certainly are a different kind of podcast. So again, welcome to the club, Reed, and uh, thanks for listening. You can send your comments, your questions, and we'll read them on the air. Buzz buzz at hivetalklive dot com. Uh, well, let's get into this Eastern Conference outlook here with Adi Joseph. Uh, here's my first question. With with the exception of Indiana and Boston, it seemed like every playoff team in the East last year did their best to to kind of stand pat, try to bring back as much of their core as possible. Does that signal anything to you about the state of the Eastern Conference? Yeah, I mean, Atlanta didn't either, but I think not, but I don't think that was much they, their choice. I <laughs> think probably, yeah. Uh, I think it was it, it was interesting. If you look at the East, I believe there are two teams in the Eastern Conference that do not expect to be in the playoffs next year. And when I say expect, I mean they will be very disappointed if they are not in the playoffs. And that's those, those two teams are obviously the Sixers and Nets. They didn't really have any choice about that matter. But um, other than those two teams, not only are the teams that were in the playoffs largely, you know, better or the same or slightly worse in certain cases like Atlanta, um, there's also a, a, a number of teams that weren't in the playoffs that now I think absolutely expect to. The, the Orlando Magic made all those changes to get older with the playoffs in mind that they don't want to wait anymore. They're sick of being out in in the mid to late lottery. And, you know, I kind of understand that I didn't like their moves for the most part, but that's clearly an objective on their part. The New York Knicks, (laughs) I have to sigh before I even can address them. I think they're, they're no doubt. They're thinking that same, same idea. So, it's it's really it's top to bottom. The Milwaukee Bucks simply expect to be better, and they have every right to be. You know, they were disappointed with last season, and I think a lot of things are now going to fit a little better with another year on, under their belts and that young roster. And you know, it it's going to be extremely competitive. And and the the real pressure for a team like Charlotte is you now look and you think this Hornets team could be anywhere from third to 
10th or 11th if things don't quite go well, if, if Michael Kidd Gilchrist gets another injury, if Campbell Walker has falls back and regresses to uh, poor shooting numbers, if Nicholas Batum, you know, finally with all those miles on his legs gets hurt, you know, that's, there's a lot of things that could, could go wrong for every one of these teams. They're all very combustible. The only team that really seem, the only teams that really seem in position to withstand a big blow and still be okay and still make it are the Cavaliers and, in my opinion, the Celtics. Why do you say the Celtics? I just really like what they have. I think adding Al Horford was an upgrade that really fit what they needed while simultaneously keeping almost all of their important players from last year. And um, Brad Stevens' coaching acumen obviously doesn't need any more praise than it already gets. But, you know, (laughs) on a list of coaches that haven't won a playoff series, Brad Stevens and Steve Clifford are looking pretty good. Uh, Do you, you know, these rankings are starting to come out now, these summer forecasts. ESPN just released theirs. They will not be the last to try to forecast what's going to happen this upcoming NBA season. Do you think that these type of forecasts, and fans as well, do you think that they naturally give more weight to teams that make some kind of move or a series of moves versus teams that do decide to roll with what they have? It's an interesting question, and I think – it's a little bit of both. A lot of it is we, we definitely put too much emphasis on, I'll give you an example. A, everyone expected last season for Giannis Antetokounmpo to take a huge step forward. And so many people last season expected the Milwaukee Bucks to be a much better team. No one expected coming into last season that Marvin Williams would take a huge step forward and that that would be a big part in the Charlotte Hornets being a better team. No one expected Kemba Walker. So we look at very um, the projections of who's going to improve and how it's going to affect their teams are usually very conservative, and you expect a younger player who has been on the way up to continue an upward incline in a traditional way. It's really hard to predict when a guy like Kemba Walker suddenly becomes efficient for the first time in his career. And and uh, that's definitely a flaw is sort of the, the less traditional internal improvements are often really hard to predict, whereas it's really easy to look at a team that adds new players or that has a very young core and expect them to get better. There seems to be a consensus top three within the Eastern Conference, Cavaliers, Raptors, Celtics. What team do you think is most likely to shake up that consensus top three? I That's, an, that's a tricky question that, that I think I am not quite as big on including the Raptors in that top three. Okay. Um, I've, I've felt consistently for the last several years that the amount that the Raptors rely on Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan to control so much of what they do on offense is – it, 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 there's some liability there. That there, there is some risk in putting so much in the hands of two guys who are extremely streaky. With that said, um, the the teams that I the team that I really think has the best shot is the Detroit Pistons. I expect Contavious Caldwell Pope to have a very very strong season. I think this is the year where he gets his offense somewhere close to as good as his defense and gets paid. 
because he's a he's a restricted free agent after this season. I expect huge, huge things out of their their three big men. I, I mean, they have Aaron Baines played extremely well in the second half last season. They just added Boban, everyone's favorite human being, and uh, obviously Andre Drummond was an elite level center for most of last season. So. I think that they have a very solid roster that's basic flaw is Reggie Jackson can't get hurt. And if Reggie Jackson goes down for any stretch of time, their chances of, of breaking that top three are, are not good. But I think the Hornets, the Wizards, and if things really go right for them, the Miami Heat, if Chris Bosh is healthy, um, those, those are three other teams that could definitely make an impact. Do you see another jumbled mess in the middle of the Eastern Conference like we saw last t- last season, four teams tied at the very end? Uh, in, in that ESPN summer forecast, it looks like they, they weighted more wins up top, and 45 wins got uh, Detroit and Indiana, I believe, the, the fourth-place spot in that ESPN summer forecast. Do you see it being a jumbled mess in the middle of the East again? Yeah, I think it's going to be a jumbled mess all over the East. I think... Again, the only teams I'm really, really confident, the only teams that I think will break even 50 wins, perhaps, are uh, the Cavs, of course, who can win 50 games in their sleep, and the the Celtics. Beyond that, you know, I'm really unconfident in what the, the Hawks will look like, but I also know Mike Budenholzer, while not a good GM, is a very, very good coach, and uh, I'm not sure exactly what to expect out of the Pacers because they have this weird lineup that has a lot more individual talent than they had in the past, but defense could be a big issue for them. And, you know, there's a lot of teams like that in the East, you know, the magic should be better. They they got, they, I didn't like their moves long-term, but I, in the short term, they should be a little better this year. And uh, it's going to be really interesting to see how these things sort themselves out. Who, which young players? There's a lot of young players in the East that need to take steps forward. Aaron Gordon, for instance, uh, Bradley Beal needs to earn that max contract now, and you know that's that's all going to play a big role in how this season shakes out. You, you mentioned the Indiana Pacers. Do you think the Pacers will finally play faster? It seems like they've been trying to, or or, or saying they're going to play faster for the past decade. Will this be the year that they finally speed up the pace? Well, the interesting part is that they hired Nate McMillan as their head coach, a coach who's known for a defensive philosophy that grinds down players and grinds down opponents. And it, it doesn't seem like the right fit for what they went for with their roster. So it's going to be really interesting to watch what the Pacers do. I know I think Paul George is going to have a great year. Um, it's It's, hard not to imagine Paul George having a great year, just all all things considered, if he can stay healthy. Um, But they're going to have a tricky issue with their backcourt, particularly if they actually try to start Jeff Teague and Monte Ellis together. And I'm not sure that that can work. So I think that they're going to end up playing C.J. Miles at the shooting, shooting guard spot. Thaddeus Young, while he's one of the most athletic power forwards in the league, is not really a run-up-and-down-the-court type player. He's more an old-school scoring half. 
they don't really have a, a clear cut. This is what our roster is going to look like. This is how we're going to play. They should be a little faster, but that was an attempt last year that got hurt by a lot of injuries. And the Pacers could be anywhere from like ESPN predicted the fourth best team in the East to the 12th. They're more volatile than just about anyone, I think. What about Miles Turner? You know, he he had a starting spot early in the year and then sort of worked his way back towards the bench. Does he solidify his place as a as a starter in that Pacers lineup and, and stay there? I mean, that they they're counting on it for sure. He uh, Turner, who I'm sure many Hornets fans watched occasionally and wish they had drafted instead of Frank Kaminsky. Uh, he had a good, promising rookie year, he's, and he's got a lot of talent, and he's he's the kind of big man that you want in today's game in that he blocks shots and he can shoot jump shots and he can roll to the rim. Um, with all that said, Frank Vogel kind of was never sure how much he wanted to rely on him. And then having Ian Mahinmi, who had a re- really, really good year last year, uh, that, that hamstrung... Turner because Turner couldn't start at center. And now I think they're in a better position to maximize him. And they need to because if you look at their roster, they don't have a whole lot in, in way of long-term players who they're committed to. It's it's mostly just Paul George and Miles Turner for their, for their future and what the organization plans to look like in even two years. All right, Adi, let's shift over to the Hornets' role in all of this. What do you What do you think is the – the solid ceiling and the floor for a completely healthy Hornet squad. So we're taking out the the MKG injury variable from all of this. What's the ceiling? What's the floor for this Hornet squad? I think the ceiling is around 52, 53 wins. I, I absolutely think they can compete with the Cavs and the Celtics at the top. The Pistons, like I said, I like them a little more, but not much more. So, I look at the Hornets as, as an absolute clear-cut. Um, if they can stay healthy, they sh- there's no excuse for them not to be in the playoffs. But there are going to be some factors, and that's where the downside comes in, where perhaps Nicholas Batum, who they started Batum at shooting guard last season, mostly as a, a defensive measure until Courtney Lee became the starter. But there's still the chance that Batum, who played a lot of small forward last year, may not quite like a full season of playing with MKG. That may not quite work out as well as it it did for that seven-game sample that they had last season. There's still, of course, a very obvious element that those players who had career years last year, Batum, Kemba Walker, Marvin Williams, that those guys take at least somewhat of a step back, particularly Marvin. What Marvin Williams did last year was was – Way over his head in terms of what he, in terms of his production as a shot blocker and rebounder, he had never played like a big man before. And Marvin stays in incredible shape, but it's hard not to to wonder if that's not who he really is. And that might have been one season of fully committed um, excellence. Now he's got a long term contract. I don't expect him to get lazy, but a player simply can sometimes have one great season where he puts a lot of things together and. If Marvin regresses as a rebounder and as a shot blocker, playing Cody Zeller with him, which gives them more offensive flexibility, becomes a little tougher. And so there's a lot of factors here. You know, there's the Roy Hibbert factor. Roy Hibbert could be anywhere from 
a near elite level defensive player that he used to be for the Pacers to what he was last year for the Lakers, which was basically nothing. A very slow, plotting player who maybe occasionally protected the rim but wasn't very useful at all. Adi, can you recall a team in recent memory that has flipped their reserve rotation, their bench, so significantly two years in a row? Because that's what the Hornets have done, and and they look to do it again next season after offering uh, short-term contracts to, to a few more of the players they've brought in. Can you recall a team doing that and being successful? It's a, it's a tricky piece of NBA history because you're right. They absolutely have. And I, I'll say this. before it's, I can It seems unusual. Can, it, it definitely seems unusual. I mean, there are some instances. The Atlanta Hawks change their backups quite a bit. Each of the, like Every season, it seems like the Hawks have a different set of uh, key reserves. But... One of the things I, I think is important is this is this is really smart management on the part of Rich Show and Michael Jordan and the other decision makers. It's a way to say we need to protect our starting lineup, but we can find facsimile pieces at low value. So they found Ramon Sessions to replace the production of Jeremy Lin. He's not as good as Jeremy Lin, no. But Jeremy Lin's getting paid so much more. So this is a smart way to preserve what they have in the starting lineup to help build their young players up because this is going to give, you know, a little more chance for Cody Zeller than if they had brought back, than if they had signed, say, Ian Mahinmi and put Zeller's starting job at risk. This is going to give Frank Kaminsky a little more chance. And, and so I think what they've done is the right move. It is a little non traditional, but every team changes, you know, their a decent chunk of their bench every year. You don't typically see teams bring back eight eight of their ten rotation players or whatever. And uh, the Hornets have done a good job of both creating continuity and even creating continuity within the changing parts. Mm, That's interesting. And, yeah, I I think you're right. I I don't think it's as as unusual as maybe it feels like uh, to me and – others uh, but it would be I think unusual if it had the same kind of success that it had last year like if you're able to make those bets on players who had down years and it works out two years in a row uh, that would be uh, significant I think Uh, I know you got to get out of here Adi I want to get you a few listener questions that we got from uh, our listeners over at the Charlotte Hornets Reddit page First one from Fanslater. Fanslater asks, uh, if for some reason the Golden State Warriors fail to win a championship this season, how likely do you think it will be that the Hornets sign Steph Curry? I'm going to go with 0% there. Um, <laughs> Nato, Nato, our friend about, Nada will be very happy that you said that. If, if we talk about, you know, 10 years down the road, 2026, Stephen Curry is toward the end of his career. The Hornets are better than the Warriors at this potential time, future time. And Curry has a chance to go play at his hometown team where his father's jersey is retired. That would be great. Everyone would love that. And, you know, it's possible then. Right now, I'd say the Hornets have a better shot at Kevin Durant. (laughs) (laughs) 
Uh, so we'll we'll cross you off the list. You are definitely not Rick Buecher's source in his latest article on Steph Curry uh, on on a team trying to poach Steph Curry. You're not. You're definitely not on that train. No, I am. I am not. I'm not on that train. No. <laughs> All right. Next question comes from Old Man Real. What lineup are you most excited to see next season out of the Hornets? Thoughts on an MKG at the four in a small ball type lineup? Yeah, I've asked a lot of questions of both Rich Show and Steve Clifford, and they're not, neither of them is particularly a big fan of the idea of extended minutes at the four for MKG. And I kind of understand it. On one hand, MKG is the best rebounder on the team, he's the best shot blocker on the team. So you think, well, why wouldn't he? be able to easily slide down. On the other hand, you remember, this guy gets injured all the time. And you're, you're giving him a little less you know, physicality by playing him at the three. You're also able to use his perimeter defensive skills even more so. And you get a positional advantage. Having a, a rebounder and shot blocker as good as MKG at the three is very different. No one, There may not be a better rebounding small forward than Michael kidd Yogris. There, is, there are plenty of better rebounding power forwards. And so you get a positional advantage playing big with MKG at the three, especially with a guy like Marvin at the four. With all that said, they are going to play some small ball. So I expect to see some of that. I just don't think that that's going to be something they're going to rely heavily on. The one that I'm looking forward to the most, I guess, would be... Honestly, it might just be their starting lineup. And I, I think, you know, I could probably make an argument Kaminsky at the five would be would be an interesting look. And I hope he's, he's apparently gained a lot of weight. Steve Clifford has praised his workout regimen in the, in the summer. And um, I hope that we get a chance to see Kaminsky at the five next to Marvin Williams a little more often. But beyond that, I, I think he's a, their best lineup and their most exciting lineup is still going to be the one with – Kemba, Batum, MKG, Marvin, no matter who the center is. That that answer may seem like a cop-out to some, but the, the Hornets didn't get a chance to see the starting five that they wanted to see virtually all of last season. So I, I, think, that's a perf- I think that's a perfect answer. And when you factor in that they did turn over a lot of, uh, of, that, uh, of, of the players that made their bench so successful, you have to wonder if, if that starting five can step up, and, and especially early on in the season, and and create some of that success for themselves. Uh, Another factor there mm-hmm. is that um, not only did we not get a chance to see that lineup, but there's no scenario where the Hornets have a more exciting lineup than one that features Kemba, Batum, and MKG. <laughs> they, they don't right. have more exciting players than those three guys. So you automatically start there. Every every Hornets fan better love Martin Williams. You know, I'm not a Hornets fan, obviously, but how could you not include Marvin Williams in that mix? And then I think Kaminsky at the five is kind of the differentiator that I'd, I'd be excited to see how he performs with the other four starters. Last question comes from Fawn Guy. Fawn Guy writes, Lynn was a stabilizing force coming off the bench last year. With his departure, do you think we have made enough offseason moves, particularly with Bellinelli and Sessions, to replace his production? Well, one thing Steve Clifford has been repeatedly uh, harping on, and Rich Show did as well, is that Bellinelli and Sessions are both excellent uh, drivers. They, they 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 get into the paint. They, uh, they 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 handle that end. And I think better than Bellinelli is arguably both a better three point shooter and a better per, 
penetrator than Courtney Lee. Whether he can replace Lee on defense is a whole other issue, and I'm not a huge Bellinelli fan. I never really have been. But I think uh, he can be a, a good factor on their offense. And Sessions has always been one of them. Sessions was terrific next to Kemba Walker when he was in Charlotte before. He He's going to be a good player for, for the Hornets, whether he's as good as Lynn. Again, defense is the bigger issue there. Lynn was a very, very good defender for the for the Hornets. But I look at both of them as sort of the significantly cheaper versions of what they, they replace. And uh, that's fine because they're bench players and you can't afford to break the bank. And if the Hornets had, had if, if the salary cap had even allowed the Hornets to match the offers Jeremy Lynn and Courtney Lee got, they still would have been massively overpaying for players playing, uh, you know, 20, 25 minutes a game. And so that's, that's why they did what they did. And I think they did as well as they could have and, and as well as they could have hoped to. Great stuff, as always, from Adi Joseph, SportingNews.com. You can follow him on Twitter, at Adi Joseph. Good guy. And, and he might not be technically a local guy, but he is here in Uptown Charlotte. We always enjoy uh, him, whether he's on the phone or in the studio. He is a smart basketball guy great interview there david and he he confirmed he confirmed what you uh, most wanted to know is uh, will detroit be for real this season yeah it's turned into the number one my number one question i mean nada brought it up uh when we did some of our earlier shows uh as his favorite offseason story and you know i've also got a guy in my office who's really big on the detroit pistons so it piqued my interest and Adi delivered as usual. Um, maybe our number one, maybe our number one guest now that that Nada's out of the out of town, but but always a special place in our heart. Absolutely. Let's talk about this ESPN summer forecast. I touched on it a little bit there with Adi, but I want to get into it uh, in depth with you. First of all, can we talk about this? How ridiculous are are these summer forecasts? I, I feel like we put a little too much. We get a little too heated about these about these summer forecasts. Where where. Uh, our, sure. you know, where our team ends up, you know, as fans. Uh, I looked at the ESPN forecast, David, last season, and the Hornets were projected tenth, thirty-three wins, or th- excuse me, thirty-five <laughs> wins, an improvement of two wins. And so you, you just, you, it's so impossible, but we do it anyway because we're we're all masochists. Yeah, and especially in basketball, we talk about it all the time. You just don't know what the on-court effects are going to be with new additions and new chemistry. You look at a team like Atlanta, especially with Dwight Howard coming in there, and they lose some of the depth uh, that they have. And now they have, uh, I guess, Bazemore and uh, Schroeder will basically be their starting backcourt. And so, I mean, that's going to be a change. Uh, It's going to be a lot of the stuff is up in the air. It's fun this time of year, I suppose. But, yeah, you just can't tell. Don't put too much weight into it, but just put just enough so we can have a little discussion. Yeah, the ESPN forecast for the Charlotte Hornets projected record of 43-39. and That's a five-win dip for the Charlotte Hornets. In their comments to this ESPN forecast, they pointed to the losses of Al Jefferson, Jeremy Lin, and Courtney Lee. And I went and looked up, uh, they they factor RPM, their real plus-minus stat, a lot into these projections. And I went I went to look at uh, the RPM, the the wins basically the wins over replacement player for Al Jefferson, Jeremy Lin, and Courtney Lee, and it equaled out to nine wins. So if you know, depending on how much weight you put into that stat, 
according to ESPN, Al Jefferson, Jeremy Lin, and Courtney Lee equated to nine wins last season. And so the question is, can the Hornets replace those nine wins or perhaps even um, perhaps even increase that number by adding MKG back to the mix, by adding Marco Bellinelli and Roy Hibbert? What do you, what do you say to that? Do you think they can they they can replace nine wins with those characters? Sure. <laughs> yeah. I mean that's such a weird measurement. I mean, you know, it's kind of crazy. It's kind of impossible to put a stamp on that. But yeah, I mean, MKG, well, people are certainly going biggest. to try to figure it out. People are going to try. Yeah, and I think MKG, ironically enough, is one of those guys that does things that you can't measure as much as you know some other players who fill the box score. Um, not that he doesn't, but I think he does so much with his energy and his effort and getting hands on loose balls and diving and hopefully diving safely and getting back up. But he's going to be the biggest you know, factor when it comes to trying to increase that win total. I think, Doug, we said that, you know, it's going on every year now, but he's the biggest piece for them. He changes the way they play. He changes the energy on the floor and he can really be a difference maker. So he's worth several wins in my mind alone. Well, good friend of the show and Wilmington Bureau Chief Nick Denning brought up a great point uh, to me. He said, you know, anyone who points to the Courtney Lee loss as a symbol of the Hornets regressing doesn't really recognize that we started, that the Hornets started P.J. Hairston for a large majority mm. of the season without yes, MKG. So yep. the, the Hornets were able to accomplish a lot even through that early adversity. So I, I think any projection that sends them downward, I, I don't understand it. I, I, you know, I'm not necessarily well, getting heated, but I don't understand yeah. how when you factor the fact that they started P.J. Hairston for a large majority of last season and were still able to accomplish a lot, you know, how, how can you project them downward? Yeah, I mean, there's only so many wins to go around, right? So you know, they're going to have teams that move up. And so some of this falls back on what, what wins are left over. You know, some of that factors in there. I get it, I guess. And the fact that Lynn was such a huge piece and Al Jefferson has been such a staple uh, for the last couple of years that it only makes sense, I suppose, if you're looking in, that it would be a little dip. I'm not overly concerned with it, to be honest. I mean, they're in the playoffs as they have them, what are the seventh seed right there, um, projected. So with, like I said, like teams like Detroit and other teams that have made more significant name-wise moves, I think than the Hornets, it, it kind of fits that they would have them around the same area with a little dip. I mean, it makes sense to me. It's kind of annoying to look at it from a, a fan's point of view, but again, I mean, there's only so many wins to go around, and they got to figure out who's going to get some and who they're going to take them from. Yeah, and I think one thing you want to watch, especially early in the season, is not necessarily what the playing groups you know who who steps up into yeah. what certain role because the team is going to change a lot from game one to game 82 to you know if they do make the playoffs what kind of team will they be in the playoffs and we know rich cho is is definitely going to be on the phones during the trade deadline talking figuring things out based on what yep. happens you know during the first half of that season so i i think what you have to pay attention to in the regular season is not what kind of regular season team uh, they've assembled but they've they've certainly got their eyes on the playoffs and succeeding in the playoffs based yeah. on that success in the first round, the the little success that they did, and unfortunately not able to move on to the second round. That's the goal, move on to the second round. And yeah. I think anything that you see, barring injury, 
anything that you see happen in the regular season will have that focus. Like, how do we get to the playoffs and get into the second round? Yeah, and one thing these lists often overlook, in my opinion, or at least over the last you know, two, three years, um, and he hasn't been here that long, I understand that. But I think Steve Clifford is continually undervalued when you look at the effect he has on teams. And, I, I mean, I guess it will continue to happen. I can't remember if they mentioned him in any of that summary. I did read it. He was not. No, but, he was not mentioned. Yeah, and, and to me, he's, he's, he's just such a big piece. There's a lot of great coaches in the East, but I think he's right up there. I mean, the work that we've seen him do with the guys that have been in and out on this roster, and, and none of the guys they bring in are truly looked at as defensive stoppers. Now you got Hibbert out there, but guys like Lynn, Marvin Williams, I mean, we mentioned it a lot last year. The work he does to get guys that aren't known as great defenders to play within his team defense uh, and the principles that he puts out there is up there with the best in the league to me. So he's worth a couple wins, Doug, and he hasn't gone anywhere. And that's just something that I, I think gets overlooked when you look at these lists. Absolutely. We, you know, we're wrapping up our summer coverage here, or at least wrapping up our July summer coverage and getting into August. August, uh, when uh, school starts back for some. So we've brought back our segment, one of our favorite segments. It's time. Let's do the math. The sum of the square roots of any two sides of an isosceles triangle is equal to the square root of the remaining side. That's a right triangle, you idiot. Go! So this is a clever thing that came from the NBA Reddit. One of their smart basketball commentators over there, commenters, I should say, came up with a new statistic. We've heard the term black hole to describe a a ball stopper, David, a, a player who more often than not gets the ball in a possession and won't let go. Sucks all of the light and the life out of the arena, out of fans. We call them, you know, we call them black holes. So we think anecdotally, when we think of black holes, we think of Carmelo Anthony. Lots of back down centers, maybe even referees during one of those Uh eternal play reviews. Let's go! It's time to play basketball! (laughs) All right. So, anyhow, user, a Reddit user and unmet player wanted to come up with a stat that described this scientific basketball phenomenon. So he posted the black hole percentage. He admits it's an imperfect formula, but essentially it measures your field goal attempts per game. You you with me, David? Um, Field goal attempts. Your assist to field goal percentage and the passes you received per game and tries to determine the percentage of times a player gets a pass holds the ball long enough where it can't be an assist any longer, and then he puts a shot up. So black hole percentage, here's the top ten. Andre Drummond, Kobe Bryant, Tony Snell, Jaleel Okafor, Wade, Carmelo, his name shows up, confirmed, DeMar DeRozan, hey, here's a name you might recognize, David, one Al Jefferson, and another name you'll recognize, Lance Stevenson, and then rounding out the top ten, Paul George. Look, you know, he may he may admit that his formula is imperfect, but when I look at that top right. ten, I mean, there's not a guy on there that I go, no, I don't, I don't know if he belongs. I mean, these guys are are all what I would consider, and it's not it's not necessarily a derogatory term. It, it just that's what kind of player they are. They are a, an yeah. ISO type player that gets the ball, tries to set things up. Uh, so you, you certainly would describe Kobe Bryant, Carmelo, Wade, Paul George as those kind of guys. Yeah, ball stoppers. 
for sure. Maybe that's maybe it's black hole slash ball stopper. I, I don't want to. I don't want to. You know, get get in his kitchen or anything because I love the ingenuity here. He probably but has a. He probably has a, a nice kitchen. <laughs> if he's hey, look, that's some that's some that's some difficult math. That's some engineer type math, and those guys uh, yeah, normally he, have nice kitchens. He, he's got the markers, uh, you know, on the windows and and writing all over the walls and chalk. But um, <laughs> how beautiful! Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think that makes sense, though. I mean, you're right. None of those guys jump out to you and, and say that doesn't apply. The only thing that's missing, I think, are are over dribbling guards. Like you, oh, well, Lance is there. Yeah, <laughs> that's the one. That's like the one. So he's the like the top over dribbling guard. So that's correct. But there probably are more uh, guards that deserve to be in that top ten in terms of guys that get the ball yeah. and, and won't let go. Uh, but anyway, well, hey, you can he can tweak it. Speaking of Lance, have you been keeping up with the Instagram page by chance? Uh, you know what? I have not. What's uh, going on? Check it out, and everyone out there can check it out. He's playing somewhere. He's playing games somewhere, and I just keep kind of scrolling by them. I don't know where these games are. I don't know who's playing in them. I know Lance is playing in them. Uh, is this some kind of? Is this some kind of? Um, like internet game where it's like, where in the world is Lance Stevenson? And if you if you ah. guess it, you get some kind of grand prize sure like yeah, he'll, he will actually pass you the ball that's the that's the prize it's crazy well all the highlights are shooting but um i don't know <laughs> everybody go check it out check out his instagram great follow all right what's coming up in august david uh, as we wrap this show up first of all they they're releasing the nba schedule so we'll definitely break that down uh we've we already know where two of the preseason games will be played for the charlotte hornets uh, both of them will be played against boston one will be in greensboro and the greensboro coliseum to uh, help uh, bring in that uh, greensboro d-league team the greensboro swarm and uh, the other one will be played it's in Connecticut. It's not. It's not in where the Celtics normally play. It's it's somewhere else. Uh, we'll have to we'll have to get Nada to cover it for us. It's somewhere in Connecticut. Uh, anyway, this is this is this is the kind of the kind of correct factual information you get here, uh, Neil. Welcome <laughs> welcome to Hive Talk Live. All right. Uh, also, we're going to be doing positional breakdowns with the help of the staff there at at the Hive. And uh, a series that we've got for you I'm really excited about because we get asked these type of questions all the time. Hey, what do I do if I'm coming to Charlotte for a game? What do I do before the game? Where should I go eat? What do I do after the game? Where should I go get a drink? If I'm going to the arena, I've got kids. What can the kids do while we're at the arena? Uh, all these questions will be answered. We've got, we're teaming with Charlotte 5, with Charlotte Agenda, a couple of blogs that color uh, or cover Charlotte lifestyle and uh, we'll be talking with uh, Jason Simon, uh, who uh, works for the Hornets in the arena experience, and he'll be helping us with that as well. So uh, stay tuned for that. Also, a conversation next week with one of the best local voices of the Charlotte Hornets from WFNZ 102.5. They've got a new FM station now. It's 610 FM, or excuse me, 610 AM. Now they're 102.5 FM as well. Anyway, Chris Kroger going to come on the show next week and talk to us about the Hornets, and, you know, probably more stuff. We'll have something else. August. Very exciting. Very exciting. Well, you'll only hear us twice a week. It's not. We're not going to be on every day. There's not a ton going on, but we will fill you in on a, a couple of fun things that are going on at the time. So uh, make Definitely. sure you're subscribed to us on iTunes to get those. Thanks so much for listening to Locked on Hornets, presented by Hive Talk Live. Follow us on Twitter at Hive Talk Live. Subscribe to us on iTunes. And while you're there, give us a five-star review. 
help hardcore Hornets fans just like yourself find this podcast. If you'd like to advertise with us, email buzzbuzz at hivetalklive.com. Hive Talk Live is a presentation of SB Nations at thehive.com. Hive Talk Live is a presentation of SB Nations at thehive.com. For David, I'm Doug. Go Hornets. Go America. Have a wonderful rest of your July. Let's swarm Charlotte.